Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, before we begin, we're talking about Pippin. Uh, there's some discussion in the show about suicidal ideation and death and, um, uh, you know, some kind of... Uh, depression-tinged subjects, so wanted to give you a heads-up before we get into it. But now, let's get into it. Play that show! Did I show you my pride beer? This would have been a better last call moment, but... Happy pride. Happy pride. Rainbow lightning. Rainbow lightning! And what does that taste like? Uh, homosexuality. Um... Delish. Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Tommy. And this is... (laughs) This one's so stupid. And this is the only (laughs) musical theatre podcast with lighting rigs... And scratchings slash rains from pigs. Another interesting American... British thing. Pork scratchings, pork rains. And it's a bar snack. They both sound gross. Oh, they're they're absolutely... They are delicious. They sound gross. Yeah, salty things. Um, but, okay, I was going to say answer in the comments. This isn't a YouTube video. Um, well, uh, but is it a snack? Is it a bar snack? Obviously, it's a snack. Is it a bar snack? Our pork rinds a Tweet bar us. snack? Say the sentence. Yeah. Otherwise, the show won't start. Oh, yeah. Sh- okay. Here we take apart your favorite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theater conversation. Tommy what are you drinking today? I panicked halfway through because I forgot I was going to have to think of something. So I gave you some time. Yeah. I gave you some time. Uh, uh, don't they? Uh, hot hot wine and bread. Oh, that, do you know what? Really well done. Solid work. I, thank you. I was my, the, the like, people, people, people in my brain was happening really quickly. <laughs> that was really impressive. Excellent work. Why? Well. Sounds great. I could, First of all, I could tell you why, but I think um, uh, Bradley Gadley and Bradley Glenn. Oh, <laughs> I could tell you why, 
But I think Bradley Gladley on Twitter would know better that this I think he would. episode. And he's here tonight. No, it's not. <laughs> he would love that. But he's he's, oh, he's just burst through my door. No. Um, we're doing Pippin. So okay. thank you to uh, uh, the Bradley. This one's for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the reason that is a thing is because I don't like more so than any other listener. Have we had someone who's been so angry at the fact that we don't do the show? And, and rightfully so, Jimmy. Rightfully, rightfully so. so. Absolutely. Uh, Pippin, when did you when was the first time you listened to Pippin? The first time I listened to Pippin was when I saw Fosse, oh, the fascinating. dance show okay. that won Tony Award for Best Musical, TBD, to be discussed <laughs> in an episode when we discussed it. That's what that <laughs> meant. Um, but yeah, and so they do um, a couple of numbers mm-hmm. in Pippin and that. And I was like, this, they <clears throat> the main one was um, Glory mm-hmm. and then the Manson Trio. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. I like this. What's this from? It is from Pippin. Da, 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 da. And is, is that um, uni for you? Like, how old are you? That is second year okay. of uni. So, yeah, like 20-something. Okay. You? Uh, eighth grade. Something like that. Wow, baby. And I, I, th- I think, honestly, too young. I love it. Fair. Um, and, like, it is one of one of many that, like you hit play on the 1970s cast recording and then put me in another room and like i will i can then leave that room when the cast recording's done having said all the words just to myself like okay yeah i know this that that album by heart like early library okay. rental um but then it's been interesting to kind of grow with it and grow up with it um and then yeah. the revival come out and you know it was just a fun little show in my brain when i heard it the first time and it's changed a lot now i view it since then and i mean something yes in a good Um, way well hey for the people the people out there who've never heard of pippin um pippin is a musical with music and lyrics by mr stephen schwartz Mm -hmm. you all know and love um and a book by roger herson yep it premiered a little bit not really uh it originally premiered on broadway in 1972 it had a revival in 2013 which is probably Probably what you've heard of out there yes. in listening land. And then uh, uh, the con- <laughs> Jimmy has written in our show notes, <laughs> the controversial filmed production of 1981. I like to sex up a little bit. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> but it is controversial. It, indeed. And we'll talk about that when we talk about it. Um, and it did, it did pretty well. I haven't written this now, so I'm going to do this off the top of my head. But it did pretty well both times at the Tonys. Ben yes. Vereen won Best Actor. That's not the main one I know. Um, um uh, Patina Miller then it, also it won, won uh for the leading player. Yep. Best direct Bob Fosse won for best director. Yep. It's a good it's a good trivia piece. Um uh Vereen and Miller 
won Tony Awards for the same role, one as leading actor and one as leading actress, which, you know, gender is a construct and probably we should get rid of that anyway. But when it comes up in bar trivia, now you know. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Um, Yeah, I I will actually say it was Ben Vereen that got me into this because I loved Ben Vereen. um, I'm trying to think what the first thing I saw him in was. All That Jazz, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, And... That led me to Fosse, the show, and he's in that, and he does Glory, but obviously many, many, many years later, still just as good, my friend. Um, and yeah, that's <laughs> I'm trying to remember the first, I believe the first time I saw Bob Fosse was in... Ben Vereen? I'm sorry. Let me go take it again. Yeah. I believe the first time I saw Ben Vereen was in the television show Zubilee Zoo. <laughs> oh my god. Zubilee Zoo Journey. You... <laughs> right? Do you, do you know Zubilee Zoo? I have no idea what you're talking I, about. It was but on I the, really want to see it. It was on the Disney on Channel when I was a child. It is terrifying looking by today's standard. Um, okay. It's a children's show. They all are vaguely... Uh, some of them are animals, but some of them are other things um interesting yeah ben vereen played the mayor he was a snow leopard but like picture snow okay. snow leopard if there was an andrew lloyd webber musical called snow leopard in the style of cats um okay very like also he's human in it you, you, kinda he's got like interesting. a it's live action um that's what i mean Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he isn't and it's not animated okay yes. okay um oh, gosh i yeah. don't know if i want to see that well now I put it in your brain and put it in the show notes yeah um no my uh twitter bio for a long period of time before it is the very well known well i don't have twitter anymore but well i do but what am i even talking about anyway it was um when i grow up i want to be ben vereen oh how sweet it's quite a good twitter bio right yeah it's my well my everything bio i was hoping it was going to be ben vereen that's long must be a clicker on the end of a switch or a cord. That is what it is. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Stunning. Anyway, Pippin. Um, Pippin. Um, well, let's talk about Pippin. Yeah, you want to tell? Not done that yet. You want to <laughs> tell people like what's the show about? Oh yeah, that's what we do. And do you know what? Isn't that crazy? We've done 103 <laughs> episodes, and I still need the word summary to be written down there to know that we have to talk about the show. That's ridiculous. Anyway, okay. Oh, you need to feel that. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, Pippin the show. It would be here for 30 minutes if it was you were trying to do with me. So, yeah. Uh, Pippin the show stages itself in a kind of meta theatrical way. You are first introduced to a group of players, they're called in the show, led by the leading player. Um, they're performers and actors who are here to put on a show for you. That's the first number, magic to do. Um, in the original production, they were vaguely theatrical. Um, in the revival, they're absolutely circus performers, um, and we'll talk about the differences between the two. But they're here to put a show on for you, and the show is Pippin, His Lives and Times. Um, Pippin is the forgotten son of Charlemagne the Great, um, who is a historic figure, spelled different. He is. But yeah. um, you don't need to know any of the history to understand the show. It's, you know... Uh, a, a nothing story. Well, not a nothing story. It is a story of uh, uh, medieval times conquering, um, but mostly centers around Pippin's desire to find his place in life, to find his corner of the sky. And all throughout the show, you are um, the leading player who's kind of semi-narrating this thing to you. 
guarantees you that there is going to be a climax unlike anything you've ever seen before at the end of the show. Pippin makes his way through life. He, under his father, Charlemagne, tries out being a warrior. Doesn't go well for him. Um, at the advice of his grandmother, tries to have a lot of sex. He grows tired of that. Um, eventually uh, meets a woman named Catherine, um, who he maybe falls in love with. Um, and the entire time, the you also get bits and pieces of like what is supposed to be the backstage uh, discussions that this leading player sets out, we learn that this is this actor's first night playing Pippin, quote unquote. Um, we learn that Catherine um, is perhaps aging out of her role. And then as the show starts to shift a little bit, um, we finally, well, I guess we reach the climax where Pippin is supposed to kill himself by suicide. Um, nothing on this earth can be as glorious or fulfill Pippin's purpose as much. And so he must kill himself. Um, and going against script, spoiler alert, he decides not to, um, in a huge twist. And this is, at, as the show is staged, not the story that the leading player has set up. This is not what they've rehearsed. Um, and so, you know, the, the moral is like Pippin kind of, Pippin compromises. P Pippin settles for mediocrity as opposed to, um, killing himself by suicide. Then there's kind of a Sophie's Choice that each production has to make about which of the endings to choose, which we've got a whole section on later. Um, but the, 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 the long-standing metaphor is that these players are perhaps the voices in your head that are driving you to you know, find your greatness, and really the answer is the greatness might have been in you all along. Pippin decides to basically move in with Catherine and her son Theo, um, and that, and then, and then the bows happen. Tommy, you're just a master. <laughs> Honestly, I just sat there in awe. And I was like, he's not even reading this fucking script. He just pulled that out of his brain. It's so impressive. You know, and and I mean this in all honesty. It is a skill I have developed through uh, faking my way through many theater history courses, <laughs> like. In, and I and I don't know if this is good advice for uh, theatrical academics out there, but like when when your aging theater professor assigns you to read a different play every day and they're all really boring and probably not all that important, you can get yeah. away with kind of skimming through it and finding a synopsis online if you start developing the skill to like deconstruct the story. And it, it kind of yeah. backforms that skill in your head to be like, all right, how do I summarize this story without reading the whole thing? I'm sure it comes from a neuroatypicality that I don't that I have that you know, doesn't, doesn't quite let me read a whole play all the way through and I need to start with a right. synopsis. Um, but as I think that's where that skill comes from. Well, I think my neurotypicality is the thing that makes me go off on 30 channels <laughs> before I've even got to the first number. So that's, yes, it's good that you feel these. That's why, um, that's why well, that was beautiful. A star-crossed pair. I, yeah, exactly. I think that is a perfect time to talk about the origin story. Every man has his daydreams Every man has his goal People like the way dreams have us to king to the soul Thunderclouds have their lightning Nightingales have their song And don't you see I want my life to be something more than long Rivers belong where they can ramble Where my spirit can run free Gotta find my 
I would have done like a harp glissando, like. I don't know what dun 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 was. Quite liked it. So we're not going to probably sit on this one too long because it's just some fun facts. Sure. Um, but it's important. I think it's important to know the context of this to understand why there's lots to discuss yeah. with Pippin. Well, and, and like discuss out with the content of the show itself. Is, yes. Is what I mean. it, it is a very, um, the, the show at, at, as it exists now is very well informed once you know how it came to be. Like you can deconstruct yeah. this thing once you kind of learn how it was written. Yeah, exactly. Because the Pippin that we just described, I say we, that Tommy just beautifully <laughs> described, um, is very, very different to the way it originally existed. Um, so uh, Stephen Schwartz had the idea whilst he was at Carnegie Mellon, um, and he started writing it before Godspell even existed, mm-hmm. um, but never got it optioned anywhere and couldn't find an agent to pick it up. Um, but it was kind of on the back of Godspell that uh, it was then like, okay, well, I have also this thing and let's let's perform that. But it used to be called um, Pippin Pippin. Which is very confusing when you're reading academic articles about this thing. <laughs> right. And also just very confusing. Like, why? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, it was called Pippin Pippin. Um, and uh, I think he worked... Um, I don't actually know when um, Herson came in on board. It was early seventies, if my memory recalls. So, uh, yeah. Schwartz had worked with one of his friends at Carnegie Mellon, uh, Ron Strauss, to write a write this version, Pippin Pippin, um, based on the historical figure Pippin, lost or hunchback son of Charlemagne. Um, yeah. And uh, Ron, so the so the story goes, um, Schwartz received a letter in the mail that was like, "I'm a producer, and I want to produce something for you," off the back of yeah. Godspell. Um, and asked Ron, hey, you want to throw up Pippin Pippin? Um, and Ron was uh, dubious at the veracity of this letter. I um, was like, nah, Steve, I don't want to be a part of that. Um, and Stephen was like, that's fine. Is it cool if we take the basic concept and nothing more and I write something new? And Ron was like, have at it. And turns out the producer was... Uh, uh, less than authentic in their representations of their ability to mount a Broadway show. But yeah. Schwartz had started to write this show and then the the this is then the inception of the show that we now know as Pippin. Yes. Um, and there's quite an interesting moment that you had with Hal Prince. Yes. Um, which I think is very, it's a very Hal Prince <laughs> moment which i love um so basically they auditioned the show for hal prince um who wasn't keen on taking it further um but he very kindly gave some suggestions and he said that um originally the the show ended where it ends at act one basically the show that we know now um and he said actually what you should then do is the sort of into the woods treatment and look at well what happened next um and so he took that idea and it became this kind of um ulysses style you know odyssey journey of this this boy um and uh it turns out later that actually hal prince just gives that same advice to everyone um, <laughs> that he sees but hey they did it and it, it worked, it worked uh, which i love um 
But then, obviously, they needed to try and find a director. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did the rounds of all the big 70s directors. They got Michael Bennett, um, Joseph Hardy. Nobody wanted to do it. Um, but very weirdly, uh, he'd just finished <laughs> the cabaret film. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Bob Fosse was, was keen. Yep. And uh, he wanted to choreograph and direct it and also grow it basically into something you know i don't know more uh, more basically right um because i think it's important to know it so at this time um you know bob fossey was really in the depths of his career mm-hmm. um and stephen schwartz was at the very beginning of his he was like 24 i think when yeah. he had these meetings yeah um and he and i think that that's quite crucial schwartz talks a lot about that pippin like this is kind of autobiographical as autobiographical as you know a story about charlemagne's son can be but that right schwartz chronicles his journey as a young man through pippin and like knowing that you can see it um I do from from the bits and pieces you can pick up. It does seem very much that when Fosse signed that the the meta theatrical story seems to start to enter the narrative when Fosse signs on as a director. That the yeah. show before that was kind of a uh, m- medieval. Is that Charlemagne? Um, uh, uh-huh. Like. Uh, like courtly graces like style. yeah like, like royal intrigue you know pippin can be king but you know his brother's gonna kill him stepbrother um very blondel right very blondel just saying yes um <laughs> as you say about most things is that the advice that's your that's hell prince advice um, that's my hell prince advice he's more blondel but it does uh, it does seem both the darker edge to the thing and the you know the leading player the addition of this whole meta theatricality to it is a in collaboration sometimes a fossey edition yeah um so the show itself um originally got produced and performed in washington didn't out of town there mm-hmm. um and it was really really successful yeah um proper raves uh and then obviously they headed to broadway and at that point, um, Bob Fosse decided to change the ending mm-hmm. um, and make it more cynical. Sure. Um, so I think before we go too deep, let's talk about the ending in full. I wish you could have seen him, friends. It, Jimmy was trying so hard not to say hop on my segue. I the word segue was flashing <laughs> in my head with red alarm letters and I was like Ugh. Hop on, yeah. let's go. Well I sing you the story of a sorrowful lad. He had everything he wanted, didn't want what he had. He had wealth and pelf and name and fame and all of that noise. But he didn't have none of those simple joys. His life seemed purposeless and flat. Aren't you glad you don't feel like that? So he ran from all the deeds he'd done He ran from things he'd just begun He ran from himself, which was mighty far to run Out into the country where he played as a boy He knew he had to find him some simple joy He wanted some place warm and green We all could use a change 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is the first time we've probably taken a whole segment to talk about the ending of a show. And it is it is fascinating because I can't think of another show. There are shows like Into the Woods which have optional songs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are junior rewritten versions of shows. There are school versions of shows. You can also find historical yeah. versions of shows. You can find, and not that we should perf- be performing any of them, but the various rewrites of like Anything Goes, right? And you can license those individually right. and pick kind of pick your poison with different shows pippin is the only show where you can choose which ending you want and in the licensed version you can choose one of two endings um so mm -hmm. on to jump on that instantly um that has only happened relatively recently sure i i mean so i think only with the revival in the noughties yeah uh uh-huh so um he never says where and I find this interesting, and I think there has to be a reason why. I found it. Okay, so if my memory serves me, according to this book, um, the the musical theater Stephen Schwartz from Godspell to Wicked and Beyond, in the 90s, there was a, it calls it a London Fringe production of Pippin. I don't know what that means. Um, yeah, that's weird. At the, at the uh, Bridewell Theater. And the director of this show, Mitch Sebastian, had asked for an affordance in doing the show. British child labor laws would have required three different actors to play Theo over the course of their run, right? And so he asked permission to change Theo into a teenager so that they could just hire one teenager. So the story goes, this led to the possibility for this development of the revised ending the theo ending um schwartz saw the production loved it and now calls this the correct ending and then this is Mm -hmm. the ending the first time then on broadway in the uh, 2013 no yeah 2013 revival um, and now both endings the theo ending and the original ending are offered in the licensed materials yep and i just i find that so interesting because Anytime he talks about it, and he talks about it very openly yeah. about how I saw this show and it changed my mind about everything. Da, da, da. But he never credits it. Yeah. And I find that really, and I wonder if there is something, there's a, re, you know, I mean, there's some kind of licensing. Well, and even, and like this, this uh, book is kind of an amalgamation of different sources too. So it's hard to kind of track this all down. Like, I wonder yeah, how yeah, much yeah. the director did actually ask permission. Like maybe they asked permission to make mm. Theo a teenager, but not to change the ending. Like this could be mired in potential legal problems anyway. Um, yeah. So, but I, yeah, I just, I find that really interesting. So that's some good hot tea, piping hot tea. When I will say um, personally, cause like I watched the 1970, uh, the 1981, controversial film production um very controversial before yes. the revival came out um yes and same. at the time as a you know uh uh neophyte musical theater analysis um thought the ending was stupid um like liked the gist of the ending i like the idea i guess we should describe them right we haven't done that yet yeah exactly as written and as i alluded to in the synopsis um, the leading player after Pippin decides to not kill himself is like, fine. Is this what you want? A boring life? Take away all the costumes. You know, yells at the conductor to stop playing. Everyone leave. Take away the sets. Is this what you want? A boring life? Fine. Um, and then Pippin, Christine, and Theo are left alone on stage without microphones, costumes, lights, quote unquote, um, an orchestra. Um, and Pippin's line, 
Well, there's two bits. Ka- uh, uh, Catherine? Christine? Catherine. 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 Wow. Yeah. Um, Catherine. I didn't correct you before because you were in a flow, and I was like, that's fine. Doesn't matter. Uh, Catherine asks, um, you know, how do you feel? Um, and he says, uh, trapped but happy, which then uh, Fosse argued later should be revised to just trapped. Trapped. Which very much alludes to their different visions of the show. And then yeah. Pippin has some line along the lines of like, well, that's one way to end a musical comedy. And uh, blackout, right? And then that's yes. the show. And then they're a bows. Um, yeah. The revised show tracks with that mostly the same. The trapped but happy line, I believe, is still there. The that's one way to end a musical comedy isn't there. Um, the two. I actually don't think trapped but happy isn't it. Is it gone? Okay. I think he just sings. The the big thing is uh, Pippin and Catherine. Yes. <laughs> I'm now nervous every time. Uh, leave the stage with Theo, but Theo kind of trails behind. Um, and in the revival, at least, starts to take a look at some of the circus accoutrements that are left around the stage, mm-hmm. starts, you know, playing with the stuff. And, and like dead silence, a beautiful musical theater silent moment. And then very slowly you start hearing the players coming back in with their and then they start enticing Theo to now basically start the cycle again and, you know, go through the same journey that Pippin has yeah. gone through. And this is the yeah, ending. Theo starts, he starts singing Corner of the Sky. Yes. How do you feel about this ending? Well, before we get into that, okay. let me add some more context to the OG. Sure. Um, so the original Trapped um, But Happy... So I think it came out of John Rubenstein um, and basically the, he, I think Fosse wanted it to just be trapped. Mm-hmm. They added in the, but happy. Um, and everyone was pretty happy with that mm-hmm. as, as a nice positive ending. And that was the ending in Washington that got all of the great reaction. Um, because I think the original, like when they tried it out, um, it came off as a a laugh line. Sure. Um, but then when they added in "but happy," mm-hmm. it became an ending. That softens it a bit in a way that yeah. lets you accept trapped. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. Then obviously when it moved to Broadway, um, Fosse was adamant um, in the way that only Fosse can be. Um, that but happy gets taken out Mm -hmm. and everyone was against it but he was the director so what he said goes um and it didn't do well Hmm. um well it is obviously the show did very well right but it was a very different reaction yeah um but the kind of meta of that goes is that fossey was actually being smarter about it uh, than what people realized because at that time um obviously we're looking you know in the background is vietnam mm-hmm. um and the rise of depression mm-hmm. in new york was going up and it was being reported about you know what i mean the, chatting about mental health in the 70s is right. a new thing right. um and fossey kind of caught wind of this mm-hmm. apparently um and so therefore made this more cynical 
ending because it actually rang more true sure to the lives of the people watching it yeah um that's what it's one of those things that's what the story goes that's an interpretation right. who knows you'll never know why because the on the other side of it, it it's it's a very fossy thing to do to just be like here's a cynical depressing ending because the man himself right was also probably extremely depressed so it's it's tricky to know what was so what, what is the truth right and you know what I and mean? Like, as in all of these things right i think we we take for granted how much of the creation of shows nowadays is documented like yeah this survives in you know oral history on top of oral history that so-and-so told such and such and different interpretations like who the hell knows but it is interesting exactly. because we know something happened because there yeah there are choices for the ending um um so yeah how do i feel about them was your question yeah i um i don't actually do you know what i don't know i don't know what what do you <laughs> you google first you go first i are you about to say you don't know no i and i think this Good. is my hot take i don't think i like either of them okay interesting i wasn't expecting that yeah i this this show is is difficult to end it, yes no doubt right and any show that's about the mind right. and existentialism yeah is difficult and to, impossible and, to end because it doesn't end on top of it and from a even simpler angle right from a musical theater structure you are being promised and promised and promised this huge you know climactic moment at the end of yeah. this show yeah and the whole point is that it doesn't happen the whole point yeah. is that we bail on it, right? So the ending will be, by definition, to serve the story, less exciting than the thing that was happening right before it. Uh-huh. That's a really difficult writer's trap to figure your way out of. Yeah. To still give a... And like... I'd, I'd say this in a loaded way, a satisfying ending, a satisfying closure, uh-huh. and not like leaving the audience unsatisfied is the point, right? But, but you know, I do think the second ending serves the point of the show better because there, I think the leading player has some line along, like more explicitly says, we are the voices that are inside everyone's mind. Maybe someday mm-hmm. we'll find you or something like that. And like, mm-hmm. that's non-existent in the first ending, right? They don't put that. So there are, there are three layers to this story yes. and there's secretly only two. Or there are two layers to the story, but there's secretly a third. What were you going to say? I think it is in the original. Is it in the original? I couldn't find... When they face the front. I, think I couldn't find a yeah. libretto. The OG libretto. I know, well, it doesn't exist. Um, but no, it's because it it's it? in the 81. Okay. Which okay. makes me think... Um, Okay, fascinating. But even even still, I don't think I don't think that takes away from your part. I think it's it it does still, you know, head in that direction. Well, and I think and like because the new ending, I've thought through, and I don't think this is the right ending either. But like, okay, the the truest ending to this show, and I don't think it works in uh, contemporary American theatrical convention. But right? the truest ending to this show would be. The leading player being like, fine, you don't want this, you don't want that, we'll take it all away, and say, like, you know, point at the conductor, like, stop playing, and point at the orchestra and be like, leave, get out of here. And, like, you know, tell everyone else, come on, we're leaving. And, like, walk out through the audience, and 
the three of them are on stage and either they say something or they don't. They kind of shrug yeah. and then they leave. And then the show ends. Yeah. And there's no curtain call and there's right. no, okay. right? Like yes. full stop. And like, certainly you are going to leave a confused audience at the end of this show, right? Yeah. Because there is no button. But if we're sticking true to like the conventions that are built into the show, that would be the way to end it. Now, some of the practicalities of mounting a theatrical performance, especially in like a, a, a more public facing place like Broadway, like Broadway yeah. right? Yeah. You, you, you need to tell people to leave so that the ushers aren't stuck there for an indeterminate amount of time every night, right? Exactly. Like there's practical exactly. concerns that come along with that ending. But I would love to see like a fringe level show or something yeah. that, that follows through with that sort of ending because I think it would be cool and I think would serve its point really well. I'm fully with you. And it was my exact same thoughts that I had. Like it, it um, when I magically got over to New York and saw the the Broadway revival, uh-huh. um, it was great. It was a wonderful trip. <laughs> um, I thought it was so silly that they did a curtain call. It made no sense. I know it's so tough. And it det- it completely detracts from the actual ending. Yeah. But of course, you absolutely need it. You have to. You cannot do a well, Broadway show without it. And, yeah. and do you know what? It's hard to do any show without a curtain call. We did a production. I can't remember if we talked about this in mm-hmm. the episode. Um, we did a production of the Thurpney Opera, mm-hmm. and uh, for the first two nights, we our director didn't want us to bow and just stand there, yeah, and then leave, yeah. Um, and uh, it was it went down like a lead yep. balloon. Yep. Like the audience did not right. like it, right? Because um, they were clapping, yeah, because it was the end, yeah, as you do. But we weren't bowing, right? We just left, right. And it felt rude as yeah, and um, and I think that's the problem with the new ending is because everything right before the curtain call is so ambiguous and limboy, it yeah. makes the curtain call the button, and that feels yeah. slimy in a way that I don't like. Yeah, it just it, it 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 just it doesn't it doesn't make sense, and I think actually your curtain call can be a part of your narrative. Uh, yeah, um, and I think smart directors do that you know what i mean and um it not to the case of like you know your your villains come out and it's like a panto when they boo everyone mm-hmm. um but it, it can still feel a part of the world of the show whether you have music at the end or not yeah. or whether right. you know like there's all these little choices right? that you can make yeah your show um, keep, continues even after the people leave the theater but the end yeah but the ending of pippin is da 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 you know what i mean yeah. there's like let's all jump in it's like and it's not it 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 really detracts yeah. i think from can i pose two potential solutions that i would want to workshop but i've yeah. thought about these that i think strike a, a different balance run with a everyone leaves and we're done thing but uh-huh, give uh-huh. give the leading player a little more um uh uh prescriptive monologue to the audience in the same way that like during um no time at all right there's all sorts of stuff in there is like the choruses are are everyone's the verses are mine right like Uh there are times Uh where where we like talk and give instructions to the audience yeah give the leading player a like that's it we're done we are all going to leave the stage and the house lights are going to turn on and all of you out there i need you to know at that moment the show is over and you need to leave right yeah like have them say that i don't know how that would land right do you know what it wouldn't work yeah and here's why 
because you need to see Pippin's reaction to the leading player leaving and stopping everything. Then you keep Pippin and the other two just on stage. But if you tell everyone to leave, yeah. then that's a bit... Right. Then, it's, then that's, it strikes as rude. It strikes there. as yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. then you're like leaving but looking over your shoulder to see what Pippin's up to. So right. I think you do need that moment yeah. of them being by themselves alone. Um which would then kind of be like, well, they should probably say something right? because it's the end and then suddenly you're at yeah. the end again. Um, I, do you know what? I think my gut mm-hmm. is leaning more to the OG. Yeah. I, it's like, I love, I love the revival ending and I really do think it's smart and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It fits into the narrative perfectly well for the most part. Yeah. Um, because also there's questions that I've got later about pippin yeah the person and um but it, it, it like it, it it does really work and it's very theatrical and it fits with that julie Taymor production because it's a extremely theatrical sure. um julie Taymor? no julie Taymor. who do i mean i don't mean julie Taymor. i mean the other one and um, so it, it has all that theatricality it fits in um i've totally lost my dream of thought now the original ending. Kelsey, the original and the, the revival ending. ending. But yeah. But the original I just I like the bleakness. Yeah. I like I like I'm with I mean you know my thoughts about Fosse, you know like right. I, I'm I sit on the Fosse bus. Yeah. Um and I like that it's unlike anything else yeah. that exists. Um and yeah, it would feel so shit leaving that theater. Yeah. But that's okay. Right. Why not? Can I pose you my second solution? Absolutely. I think this is a little venue specific. And I don't right. and I don't know Burn the place down? Yeah. Um and I don't know if it could work on Broadway, but I think it might. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Start with the same base. Everyone leave and like very specific instructions. The lights are going yeah. to turn on and they're going to stay on stage, you know, figure out what you need to say and they're not going to do anything uh-huh. and you need to leave and like put, you know, have your ushers all set up like once the leading players leave, like, come on, let's go and like get everyone out of the theater and outside the theater, I don't know where, across the street on the marquee or whatever, the entire cast and the orchestra is singing what is the ending number. The bows number is doing bows on the sidewalk across the street so that you've left the theater. You, the audience uh-huh. still gets this button, this closing. They get to celebrate the performers who are in it. But we've left the metaphorical palace in which this story was told and conclude the whole thing once the audience is outside with Pip and Catherine and Theo coming out also out from the other direction and bowing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they go back in the theater and everyone goes home. Right, okay. I, yeah, I see what, yeah, or, I see what your solution some, is. Or something like that, you know? Yeah. And I think it it suits I mean, it suits this show well to, like, make a environmental production in a place where you weren't expecting an environmental production. Yes, uh-huh. I, yeah, I would completely... Because I think that's the thing, is the house is a part of the story. Right, and so once you, right. once you leave the house, okay. then we're more okay. And you've still had that brief moment of, like, oh, shit, is this thing over? 
oh my god and like yeah, you gotta leave actually leaving? and you have that yeah, moment yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you still get that catharsis and conclusion at the end very clearly uh, establishing like okay now they're actors now they're not dead right or whatever yeah like but i mean i think it's i think it's crazy cats tommy yeah i think that's a crazy cats idea but hey why not i don't know if it'd work on 42nd street I really don't think it would work at all. <laughs> but I, I'm, you know, I mean, let's be Mavericks. It's 2021. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think like, I, I really, I do like, I like the bleakness. Yeah. I like because I remember the first time after I saw Fossey and I read through what Pippin was about, and you know, hearing like, and they take down the set. Mm-hmm. They bring up the house lights, the orchestra stops. The, the I was like, that's incredible. I was like, that is genius. I love that. Um, and the I I think with the end, I was like, it, it is it, it is bleak, and it, it's it's that kind of hyper theatricality that I really like mm-hmm. of just like oh yeah that's smart. Like, and it affects your you know, and that's I think want to do you want to affect your audience because. I think with the Diane Paulus production, mm-hmm. you you still leave happy. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know I mean you right. don't leave chilled. Right. And I think it, if they again if they did it with rivers belong where they can ramble, eagles belong they can fly, and they pick them up and it's the ending, um, and then there's no curtain call, mm-hmm. that is chilling. Yeah, yeah, that's really really chilling. Yeah. Um. I wonder if there are... So is the issue actually just with the curtain Like, call? are there union rules or something? I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually a thing. Like, there must be... Well, it's, it is the convention. It is the convention right. of theatre. Yeah. You thank your audience for staying and watching, yeah. and the audience thank you back, and you say, you're welcome, yeah. by giving them a nice bow. Um, and, like, maybe... So it, it is rude not to, it's rude not to do it. But maybe you still... Because, like, the audience just needs a we're done button... And, like, with either one, you could also accomplish a, like, you know, the house lights are down. And, like, this is a thing that bothers the lighting designer in me, but you can see in every production, they're like, take away all the lights. And then a very specific set of lights that are supposed to be the no set of lights, lights come on to look like the lights (laughs) that might be. But whatever. I get it. Yeah. Um, Um, But you sit. Right. Here's something. But you sit in that, and then they leave stage, and then on a zero count, the house lights turn on. And then, uh-huh. like, because they just need a button to tell them to leave. Yeah. But here, okay, here's something. Uh-huh. What about as they leave, uh, like, the players, uh-huh. they bow. Ooh. And Pippin, Catherine, and Theo can maybe, like, awkwardly bow. Yeah. Once everyone's gone and everything's what done. What if you have them, like, bow without music? like yeah exactly yeah. I, I absolutely like, bow without, leading players like, like come on come on we gotta get the you know, the curtain call down get out of here go 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 yeah uh-huh. whatever because then then you have to ask yourself what am i applauding that's true and that's very uh uh imelda uh, staunton and gypsy right like yeah boy yeah it is it's great yeah i still it'd be it, it would have to be so prescriptive to, for an audience to get it you like you'd have to manage audience behavior so you would need to you would need a plant but you would need a, a plant applause a hundred percent for that because they wouldn't realize that that was the end of the show necessarily right um i i like that yeah i'll try that yeah 
<laughs> I'll give that a go. I'll let you know how it goes. Um, yeah, because that that way you're not being rude. They're still saying thank you so much. Sure. Because for them, it is the end of the show. Right. Yeah. Maybe. I also maybe. I wondered if maybe you do. I love that we're just gonna continue to workshop. Like I love this stuff, right? Like I would sit in the theater. But what I love about it is that all of these, all of these are ideas, right? All of these are ideas that that will work, and that is because it's a very good ending, right? Like if you the other the other thought I had, move the curtain call to before things go wrong, like get get Pippin up on the high wire or whatever. He's going to jump into the bucket of fire. Have a, like, and now, wait, hold on before, because this will be the last thing you see in the show. The very last thing you see in the show. So we got to get our bows out of the way. Here we go. Come on. You know, still mm-hmm. magic. Like, and now he jumps. And then, I'm not a river or a giant bird. And then, mm-hmm. have everyone leave. Mm-hmm. Does that do it? I don't know. It's such a weird, because the show plays on and subverts theatrical expectations exactly it seems like a crime to the show to be beholden to theatrical expectations at the end yeah which sucks for sure but that's such a it's such a paradox absolutely so yeah i'd love to know a bit more i think that's like the the fringe is where to to play about with this and it's a great fringe show yeah because it, it is play in a box do it you know what i mean it's... man pull it pull it pull a mystery of edwin drood and call it pippin choose your own ending and just at intermission give out uh pamphlets with like check boxes that say the theo ending the happy ending or like yeah, which yeah, are yeah. very vague descriptions or just one two three four yeah you and know just I mean? see what see know. what people choose and then at the end ask them if they like the ending like that would be a fun yeah, a b testing absolutely yeah i like that <laughs> um <laughs> licensors i know down. mti sorry. is gonna sorry, be Concord. up your butt soon enough yeah um but yeah i think all of this to say and uh, you know the fact that you we have spent god knows how long just talking about the ending to this show is testament to the fact that it's a very good it is a good ending, ending. and um, and i do think that and like i said earlier i don't like either and like w- with more reflection right like that's that's the point i do like them right like yeah uh-huh. I, b- because i they're i don't need to like them <laughs> That doesn't... Right, exactly, exactly. Okay, I'm glad that made some Neither sense. Neither satisfying. Right, they're meant to be unsatisfying. The point yeah. is that they're unsatisfying. I just wonder yeah. if there's a way to make it unsatisfying while also conclusive, you know? Mm. Probably not. Because, maybe not. Cause... Because we're talking about the mind. Right. And that doesn't have an end point. Right. Well, speaking of, you want to go talk about the brain? I set that up for you. I, uh, and I... Spike and uh, I don't. Oh, mm. sports! Vo- volleyball! <laughs> Quick run! I think volleyball. <laughs> Badminton. Bat. Did they do? The, is it the same thing? We're the my summer theater is doing High School Musical Junior right now. It is always very funny to watch a bunch of theater kids sportsing on stage. I love basketball. Have you seen that? No. That's the bad lip reading of High School Musical. <laughs> Oh my god, have you not seen that? No. I love bad ah! lip reading. I gotta watch that right after this. It's like 30 minutes long. Okay, it's well, incredible. I can't watch it right now then. No. Uh, it's really good. And the um, Get Your Head in the Game is the best. The best bit. All right, on, it's so good. on to brain stuff.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The ending mm-hmm. is a lovely culmination of all of the incredible, interesting, complex themes that are discussed. In this show yes that was a good introduction that was paragraph. a great job well done feel free to continue <laughs> <laughs> i mean this show sets itself up to be just a performance about pippin but then becomes this meta discussion of the voices inside your head and like yeah. even that metaphor i think puts it too specifically but it's oh, very much but so. it's hard to talk around these things without giving them language so you know we can run with that exactly as as well this sense. Is, it is interesting because again steven schwartz himself is contradicted himself many times when he talks about what the themes of this show are because sometimes he's like it is just about um pippin and you know it's just that there's no allegory there's no you know the leading player is the leading player and he's trying to yeah lead him down whatever, whatever steve um right and then he's also you know three paragraphs later saying like it's not really the um subconscious it's more or sorry, it's not really the ego it's more of the subconscious right. and it's like well, well i thought you just said they were real but hey well and there, um, there is historical context for this because as we've discussed as much as like the leading player is fossey's baby and pippin is steven's baby um yes. there was a uh and i couldn't find too many details on it they were uh contemporaneously to the original production or near enough they tried to mount an australian production that fossey was not going to be involved with um yeah and at least as far as the description i read goes pippin's role in the show got much bigger and the leading player's role uh, in the show got much smaller i don't know what that means in well he in says context. he says it fits the script that you can get currently interesting so like who knows now, what that looks like uh, right and there's there isn't a vast amount change so i don't know what now i'm just going to jump on this point quite quickly one of steven schwartz's biggest issues where the um, with fossey sorry the biggest issue with fossey was that he felt that he was making the show more about the leading player Mm -hmm. than he was about pippin Mm -hmm. um and so when fossey was no longer involved in the production he was able to then do it as the author of the show um but what's really interesting, and Stephen Schwartz has actually said this himself, um, is that as as time has gone on, he wrote this when he was twenty four, mm-hmm. um, and younger. Um, as time has gone on, and he's understood his own show more, he now sees what Fosse did to it. Yeah. Um, and I wonder actually if there was like a like a a, a middle stage. Of the licensable script because the kind of pre-theo mm-hmm. script um and i wonder if in that it was more pippin centric uh-huh. and then he's actually reverted back to the original as he's gone on as like actually do you know what that makes sense it is a good question i do wonder so Sh- schwartz would have been 24 fossey would have been in his 30s so fossey would have been 45 and I do, th- and like, I hate this justification. I hate that we live in a world right. where 
good art must come out of conflict. Like, also, sometimes good art can happen when everyone gets along. Um, right. Uh, uh, disclaimer aside, perhaps, as you know, you mentioned this at the very beginning, the vast age difference, not vast, but the age difference between Stephen Schwartz and Bob Fosse and their different life experiences up to that point created yeah. a very fascinating tension that is now kind of, you know, uh, imbued into the story that is Pippin and that informs this brain stuff in a way that neither would have done without the other. Yeah, I, I think that is completely the case. And I think that's what's so beautiful about this show is this show is so much the product of its creators. Yeah. Um, and it, like it is in the veins of this thing because the leading player is Bob Fosse. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the leading player is Bob Fosse. And, and Stephen Schwartz has said Pippin is Stephen Schwartz. Like, exactly. Yeah. Um, and when you look at it like that, yeah. um, it's, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Um, but it is... So how do you feel about, right, this... The, taken as the, the metaphor that it is intended to be, this is mm-hmm. a story of a kid, right? A, you know... Uh, an adolescent who wants to achieve greatness and yeah. can't find it in anything and so then kills himself but then doesn't yes i mean you know how i'm always looking out for these things i i find and part of it is we talked about this on last call but i watched bill burnham's inside this past week i've been doing a lot of pippin study you know yeah the you're getting introspective i'm spending a lot of time inside my brain these days um i think a lot of us have i i i say with no support um but i'm always extra sensitive to the like introspective morals that art puts out there for people right like mm-hmm. Pippin is the is the style of show that needs the suicide hotline number in the program absolutely yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um you know and like I know there's discourse about trigger warnings and whether or not to put them at the top of your thing. Um but I you know I find this show 32 year old me finds this mm. show much more difficult to listen to and watch than 14 year old me did yeah it, it yeah because you get it yeah you've, you've grown up and you when understand it, but i think that's both it. of it it's not just that i get it but it's also that i'm sad that i get it yeah okay right like it's the it's the two things is 14 year old me loved what a great time pippin was having uh-huh. at the orgy um yeah <laughs> and thought what a funny ending this show has um uh-huh and thirty-two year old me is like, oh man, yeah, I guess the solution is to compromise, right, and to find the joy uh, in that. And like, there is joy and pleasure and bliss in that. Like, you know, I have, I, I don't want to diminish that. Um, but it is, you know, it's a, it. I find it as a very challenging allegory for growing up. Yeah. Um, and it's it's hitting me at a time in my life where that is challenging. It is. It's. It's very challenging, but it's also completely not patronizing and extremely realistic. Yes, absolutely. And I guess there is there is solace in the fact that because I find this all the time. I got the the you have since deleted your TikTok since we talked about you briefly being on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. I sit and mindlessly scroll all the time, and my algorithm has figured me out more than I have. 
Um, oh. And uh, I know this because I got uh, a TikTok to uh, the underscoring was the SNL closing music. Um, and it was a guy walking out in his bedroom waving to an imaginary audience. And the caption said, uh, me, anytime one of my friends says something silly and I follow it up with the statement, that was my nickname in high school which is a tropish joke I make to my friends on a weekly basis. I was like, yeah, you do. oh, God damn. Um, but there is some like kind of perverted solace in the fact of learning that like your experiences are not unique to you. Like your individual weirdness is beautiful and not individual. Mm. And in that same way, Pippin provides some comfort there, right? That like, other people are like you in this way. Um, Absolutely. So let's look at it this way, right? Because, so yes, it, it, you know, the idea was written by Schwartz, but the what what Pippin exists as, this journey towards immolation, mm-hmm. um, was crafted by Bob Fosse. Sure. And Bob Fosse, everyone who knew him will tell you, um, was obsessed with death. Yeah. Um, I saw uh, that has a term, thanatopsis. 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 Who's the Greek? The Greek god Thanatos, who was the god of death. Um, ergo, Thanatopsis is ergo Thanos from the Avengers. Sure, I'm sure that's why. That makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and. So Thanatopsis is basically just being obsessed with your your dying. Mm-hmm. It's not just being obsessed with death. It's being obsessed with your death. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Fosse would always say that I'm never going to make it past 60. Mm-hmm. 60 was his end point. It was a very arbitrary number. It didn't mean anything. There was no, like, divine prophecy. But it was just like, I'm not going to do it because he didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You can just see all of that questioning and pain and struggle mm-hmm. right stuffed in there into this story. Yeah. Um, because really what the leading player and the players are, are that id, that monkey mind, that, mm-hmm. you know, excitable part of your brain that gets excited by the things that it shouldn't get excited by. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's telling you to do more and more and more. And here's a man who is an alcoholic, a sex addict, um, substance abuser, you know, and he has all of these voices telling him, keep going and going and going. And if you've seen all that jazz, mm-hmm. um, his film, it, it, you know, that tells you more than anything because it is semi-autobiographical that a film is autobiographical as anything. Right. Um, and you see it there, his own journey to self-destruction. Yeah. He brings it on himself. Um, and I think it's interesting that, you know, Pippin was created 15 years before he died. Yeah. Um, because he wasn't there yet. But then he made all that jazz. And he was he was there. He was he was so ready. And that was the thing that he was wanting to make yeah. his entire life. And I think Pippin is a really key step sure. on that journey. Um, and... What we've got out of that, out of his kind of, you know, blood bleeding onto the page, yeah. um, is a really incredible piece of art. Yeah. And 
And I think that's what Schwartz yeah. sees now. Yeah, sure. I think absolutely. You know? I think worth saying, Bob Fosse died of a heart attack. Um, mm-hmm. I also, I do wonder, this is a thought. Oh, no, but. It, right. So, the, but the, yeah, he, so he didn't commit suicide, but he brought on his heart attack. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he knew what he was, he knew what he was doing was going to kill him. Sure. Yes. And he was fine with it. Yes. I. Um, I wonder, this is a thought that has been bopping around my head in less formed statements, and maybe now's the time to try and mm. put them into sentences. There is this, I don't want to call it a myth because it rings as true, but there is this right. idea in art creation that art is birthed from trauma. And I think yeah. and I think that's cart beho- before the horse because people who have experienced trauma <laughs> certainly with exceptions but don't don't do so so then they can make art right it's the other right. way around the art is an attempt at some kind of catharsis to mm-hmm. cope with their trauma and and so and we've kind of bundled that all up into one thought that yeah. you know the kind of tortured artist trope i have a lot of thoughts around this because i wonder one if it ever has actually helped someone like Mm. i know there's plenty of art therapy that happens and that happens in you know controlled environments and environments where you're thinking about it i you know would love to see an example of where like a piece of intentional art therapy has then gone on to become a broadway musical right yeah or commercially successful i also think i would love to cultivate a world where we bust that myth or create a world where that's no longer true, where you can write troubled characters without feeling troubled yourself or present challenging ideas without having to go through your own personal torment. Um, yeah. And I don't, but like to, you know, I don't know how to insert slot A into slot B. Like, I don't know how to get there from here. I guess, I mean, maybe this is the moment is to, like, encourage people, like, sure, write what you know, but maybe feel okay writing not what you know with, you know, care and research and reasoning. Um, Right. But to know that everyone need not be a tortured artist to be an artist. Like, that's a, I think, a a, a, a tradition worth disproving. Um, But I don't know how because there's a lot of systematic suffering and stuff. And... If it has the chance of being cathartic, yeah, you know, write your truth. Um, uh-huh. But I guess it's it's more of like a wish for society and humanity that we find a place where you can write sad stuff without being sad yourself. Yeah, yeah. There's I think there's a lot to unpack from that. Um, I think that those who who fit into that tortured artist mm-hmm. bubble. Um, there's there's also an element of they love it, sure. Uh, because that's when they're productive, right? And that's when this shit is good, right? Because they're wallowing, yeah. Um, and so it it wouldn't make sense for them to make something that helped them, right? Well, because it takes them out, of and that. that's the thing is, I wonder if that's a vicious cycle, right? Like, yeah, could could you get fully right? Is. Could you be creative without the whatever destructive choices you're making towards yourself? And like, I say this fully acknowledging that plenty of us, myself included, often live in this bubble, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I wish there was, you know, I don't know what that 
what advice young me would have needed to try it the other way once or find the ways to systemically create art as opposed to, you know, feeling really sad about something and then expressing that. I mean, that's like, it's still taught in conservatory all the time schools. it's i mean it's you know I mean? it's like, one of those really go into your past yeah find your trauma yeah. find your no it's one of those really shitty it. acting methods right it's right up with <laughs> i right up there with the method in like yeah shitty exactly. and unfounded and we should stop fucking teaching it um absolutely you know it's dangerous, it's dangerous absolutely in a non-controlled environment and the thing is as well is we all know for a fact that there are um theater practitioners out there who use it as a means of emotional, right. um, uh, not tor- what's the word? Emotional manipulation. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's for them. It's a way of controlling people because they're just like, look at the power that I have. I mean, you know, that's that's dangerous. I mean, maybe maybe this is my moment of agency, right? Like, and I I think mm. of the like college professor pipeline, the Juilliard pipeline, like all this stuff, right? Yep. And. And I know because I live in this sector that contemporary high school seniors are challenging the expectations of colleges they're going to. And I think it's amazing. And it's please right, never yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the time to break that cycle because your acting professors will have learned with this method and use this method. And it's destructive. And they don't know what the other method is because this is what we've been doing for the past 50 mm. years. And so now it's time to invent the anti-method. The like, when I am on stage, I am acting and I am an entirely different existence than the real me. The real me finds joy in things and is happy and doesn't need to experience metaphors that relate to the things on stage in order to perform them well. And I'm certain there are performers and actors who exist in that space, but it's not advertised as widely in the academic circles as like a way to, you know, reach your innermost acting truth. Yeah. So this is a thought that's just popped into my head and I might actually cut it out in the end. Mm-hmm. But um, what do you think of this idea, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone under the age of 30 is a creator now. Yes, absolutely. Because everyone's creating content. And we've just talked about the fact that the best content comes from trauma. Mm-hmm. And the best content comes from the dark places, mm-hmm. right? So what you then have is a generation of people delving into the dark places in order to create because that's what's needed of them. Okay. Is that an explanation for the pandemic of depression oh 100 percent. oh yeah 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 no i could yes 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 i right i want to rewind a second because i do think and if you keep this in i think this is helpful i think we now that you agreed with it i'm probably gonna keep it because it's not a stupid thought i i think i want to rewind to a point you made and argue with it i think we fetishize content that comes from sorrow and most and a lot of content is like that but like Scroll through your Instagram. People don't post Instagram photos about sad things often. Um, right. Right? Like, here's me doing this fun thing. Also content, right? To yes, to the yeah. other extreme, in the other direction. And, yes. and I don't know, like, I'm armchair psychoanalyzing here, but, like, uh, we are conditioned to see other people's Instagram posts as fake now because how could they possibly be that happy? Exactly. Right? Nobody's ever that happy. Right. Make sure you never buy into that. Right. Yeah. Um, but to your second point, and, like, 
n- not a theory. Um, Children's right. Children's Hospital Colorado this year has declared, uh, uh, I think it's, I forget the exact phrasing, but it's something like children's mental health as a public uh-huh. health crisis. Crisis, um, yeah. Which then puts it in line with COVID, right? Like, yeah. we have to allocate special resources to do this thing. And certainly, it's at the forefront of everyone's mind now because kids have been stuck at home all year and have missed the normal socialization and other things like this, but probably is the sort of thing that we should have been looking at 50 years ago. Um, yes. But I have no doubt, and maybe we've talked about this before. I don't remember whether it was on or off pod, but that, like, uh-huh. and, you know, it's always depressing to think about the future. But depending upon how the future goes, I think in 50 years, we will look back on social media the way nowadays us looks back on cigarettes. Um, cigarettes, yeah, we have talked about this. Before. Like, yeah. that absolutely <laughs> has, like, the constant ability to create content, desire to create content, commodification of content. And then I think you're right, the fact that it is tied to sometimes looking into these sad or dark places absolutely yeah. has, you know, changed the brain chemistry of adolescence um, in a way that creates more of these mental health problems. I do think there are, um, uh, what's what's the word when you try to do a controlled experiment, but a, a different variable comes in that confuses the results. Um I don't know. I should know. I have a science. Yeah, there's a word. So. There's a word for that. Um, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, yeah. I think there are complications like that. Yes. Wait. Keep this. Keep this point in mind okay. because this is a segue. But keep keep going. Okay. I think there are um, uh, uh, conf- confounding variables. That's the word. Beautiful. In right. That's that's your segue. Keep that in mind. Okay. Right. Okay. I think there are confounding variables in this because. Um, we're also learning more about the brain every day. And so we have a greater understanding of our brain chemistry, how these things work, which lead us to, and this is the wrong verbiage, but quote-unquote discover, quote-unquote new neuroatypicalities or newly diagnosed neuroatypicalities that have existed for a very long time, but because they were atypical, we just assumed they were bad or wrong or a problem, as opposed to just a way your brain might develop that we should create some accommodations for right what what's my segue oh so speaking of confounding variables, i I feel like i don't want to just leave that part because that is you know it's it's a really it is an important point i think you know we could talk about this for a a whole other podcast and i think um we know it's a bad thing but that i don't know that just kind of popped into my head that i had never really made that link before that content creators are artists and artists struggle i mean and suddenly we have a generation of artists in 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 so few words one you should watch bo burnham's inside um right okay but also and honestly it is a and i hope you will keep this in it is a struggle i'm having with my existence on this podcast with my existence in the musical theater world these days because we're a part of that content cycle we are. right and we're and putting, i we're putting shit out and here. i don't even just mean like with our existence of this podcast but 
all of musical theater is the same kind of content and it has been commodified yeah. so much and does in some ways, right? Like every other day I have a hot, angry take about some shitty thing that some Broadway production is doing right now, right? Yeah. I know that's not doing good things for my mental states yeah. to even hold space for that in my brain, but uh-huh. th- that's the whole industry right now. And, you know, yeah. in, in the great reckoning we have had over this past year and a half, it's like the veil has been removed to every single instance of these things. We I went on this road trip to Oregon and one of the things I like to do in the car is like, oh, we're in a tiny town. I want to know more about this tiny town. Oh, we're passing this yeah. outlook point. I want to Google that. Oh, we were driving through the Columbia River Gorge, and there are a bunch of dams in it. I was like, huh, I want to learn more about this dam. Every single dam that has been built in the Columbia River Gorge has done some stupid racist shit to American Indians and was specifically put there to, like, drown this fishing hole or wash away this yeah. civilization. And, like... And I know this comes from my sheltered previous existence as a privileged white man. Every single thing has a tinge of problematization to it, is rooted in racism or homophobia or sexism or something. And like, I don't, it doesn't feel like I'm rooting around for it anymore. It feels like it's always just right there. And it's it, just there. And it makes it like maybe I'm just describing my latent depression, but it just makes it hard to enjoy anything anymore because you mm. know there's going to be a problem with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would really like some unproblematic content that still is interesting for once. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening to my therapy <laughs> session. Um, send me your bills. No, I think. <laughs> no, listen. What is that? What is this? That's you know totally I mean? fair. If not, yes, the, we are doing this for us, sorry, <laughs> listeners. But come on, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's true. Yeah. Um, and I know I've been sat where you're sat. Sure. You know I've been. Sat We've both been there. I mean, where you're, you know, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I think we we don't um, we don't talk about it on pod that much because, like, I also don't want to pass yeah, on my I don't my like problems to other public. people. Yeah, but you right, know. exactly. Um, All that to say, it becomes increasingly harder to listen to Pippin the older I get. Yes, very much so. Um, but speaking of <laughs> flawless, it was just the perfect segue. Let's talk about Catherine. How can you lay a feeling taken by themselves now they don't mean much? Together they send you reeling into a love song Right. So, this Bader Meinhof. Yes. You're familiar? Uh, I'll hear it six more times now that I've heard it this time. Is that Bader Meinhof? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, Yeah, so like Bader Meinhof and um, uh, I can't remember the coincidence, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Loki is on right now. Okay. Right? I've only watched the first episode, so... It's no spoilers. Okay. No, this is all in the first episode. Um, Loki is all about 
um, Loki mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, taking the Tesseract and skipping through time um, and getting arrested mm-hmm. um, because he did that and that wasn't what he was supposed to do. Um, and he is therefore what's called a variant. Mm-hmm. He is someone who's jumped in and has gone off script. He's gone off the you know, prescribed path. See where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. No, but I'm this, excited right? to follow you. Oh, okay. Um, and then suddenly we're studying Pippin. Oh, I'm there. Okay, I got it. Right. And I'm like, oh, hang on. This is a really common trope. Sure, yeah. Right? This idea of like something, someone coming in and changing the course of what is supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, and in this show, that is Catherine. Yeah. To me, Catherine's the most important character of this whole piece. Absolutely. And it's so Do you agree with absolutely, that? Absolutely. One hundred percent. Okay, great. Um now here comes the beef. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I so compared to the original presentation of Catherine, mm-hmm. compared to the contemporary now I'm just talking Broadway here, obviously. Sure. There's a million amateur shows in between where they'll have done whatever. Yeah. And it is ambiguous in, in the script as well. But the way that Bob Fosse presented Catherine, I think, mm-hmm. dunk, hit the nail, bang smack on the head. Because that song, um, was it Ordinary Women Every Day? Yeah. Kind of Women. Everybody, I'm kind yeah. of. That one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Kind of Women. Yeah. Kind of. I think it's called Kind of yeah. Women. Anyway. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it could be from a 54 below cabaret number mm-hmm. talking about like, you know, it's the random black girl singing the song. Right. It's that kind of, yeah. I'm a nice woman. Yeah. Right. Um, and what Bob Fosse did in the original production was lean into that by being like, she's so sweet. Mm-hmm. She's nice. And it is the most saccharine, yeah. stupid thing. And he takes all of the seriousness out of that and is showing you like this is pastiche mm-hmm. um what i felt they didn't do in the um diane Paulus production mm-hmm. was any of that mm. okay suddenly rachel b jones is just kind of singing about being an ordinary woman and there's no i just didn't think there was any nuance to that well, her, her character is and kind of that she's a little c- clumsy or forgetful a little ditzy yeah. airheady you know what i mean and it, it, it's interesting because i think what they had in the original was this kind of divisive woman with power mm-hmm. that's kind of been taken away. And even to the extent with the new ending, yeah. the power is kind of given to Theo. Yeah. I, 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 and not Catherine. I agree. I think in the revival, it doesn't make sense that Pippin leaves in the, in the story proper, right? Like it mm. doesn't make sense that, Pippin said no to this relationship other than him just being kind of a precocious shit. Um, right. Right. Whereas like in the Fosse production, because her character as written is this, you know, like uh, sweet and low sweet uh, 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 character that is grating and only warms up in the quote unquote out of character moments. Exactly. It makes sense for story Pippin as opposed to actor Pippin to want to leave that place. 
yeah he feels suffocated by that it's oppressive the love right. and the niceness right. is oppressive but it's still it's still another setup right. by the leading player in order to get when into the grand finale i mean because that's that's the hard part of that whole story beat right the whole Catherine theo story beat is right it has to be endearing enough for pippin to want to come back to it yeah. but it can't be so appealing that pippin decides right then that it's for him that I'm done. And yet. what it, we're happy. What is frustrating and tough about the story is there isn't a really good like t- turning point moment. I know. There's yeah, I wish I wish I wish there was a thing. I wish there was a cuz like I've had this, right? Um where you know, you're in a relationship with someone you love and adore and then there's yep. and then there's that day where yeah. the thing went wrong and you get angry at each other, right? And like this doesn't really have that. I wish it did. It, it doesn't I like to right to me I think what it needed was maybe like a proposal mm. uh, it, uh, you know I mean I understand that it wouldn't really make sense for her to propose no, but, to him I kind of get that but, but maybe like, so, like because it, then he's running away from commitment which is really what yeah. the story should be but yeah. that's what that bit is right. that's that's you know that is what this whole yeah, yeah, yeah. section no that would be a, um, a if there was a, is all about yeah. um it might just be a bit too prescribed it might just be too obvious right. But it would that to me is an inciting incident that gets Pippin going again. Absolutely, you know, because that's the kind of thing that makes even the most in love person want to run away. Yeah, we could say so. Um, yeah, I think. I, I yeah I I don't know why I'm going to watch it. I just think um, it's such a really interesting <laughs> it's a really interesting character, and I think she's extremely important. Yeah. Um, to the story. Uh, but what I don't, I'm kind of concerned about mm-hmm. is that because everyone's focus is on the contemporary production, right. that they'll forget. Yeah, actually, this is a really good way of doing. Right, you know what I mean? And it's like right. it, this is a really important, significant character has a lot of power. Yes. Um, when it it does like the the point you raise accentuates one of the story problems with this show and there's there's no mm-hmm. way to fix this story problem because it's the mm. it's the whole conceit but mm-hmm. everyone else in this show is a player is a performer pippin is pippin yeah and and they still say sometimes it's his first time playing the role but yeah until the very end pippin sticks to the script and throughout the whole thing the story is happening to Pippin, right? And even mm-hmm. at the end, when he makes the decision not to jump, we're watching Pippin, right? Yeah. We're watching story, but we're watching this like conflated hybrid amalgamation of this singular person. Whereas yeah. everyone else has a duality. Or is somewhere yeah. on somewhere on that spectrum. Pippin's on one side, the leading player is entirely on the other. The leading player mm-hmm. almost never plays a character is almost always yeah. the narrator um and Catherine bridges that gap and that's and it's hard hard to do that because we've already set up the rules the other way yeah i think yeah i think this is and this is a big kind of question i meant to talk about this in the last oh, the last section mm. um this is a big kind of question that i have is like why pippin yeah yeah, I mean, it's the whole you know, why today, like, why this, yeah. Yes, and I know you can never ask that question. Right. You're not allowed to. Um, but it, if it is just, in, you know, if it's Pippin because it's in Pippin's mind, right. I kind of get that. Yeah. 
but then who's Catherine? Well, it may be. What's the what's the cha- like? Because you can't you can't run on a script if there's that ending. So let me right that always happens. Let me pitch you this. Um, the whole the the players are here. They're here to share this spectacular story with you, right? Mm-hmm. And we've already talked at length about the ending. What is there a way? Here's you know here's option four on the choose your own adventure Pippin. Yeah, exactly. Um, for the players to pull at the end, that was our plan all along. Card to pull a this the show's been the show right, which it really has mm-hmm. been right. Like that is actually the meta narrative of the actual show, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And so, do you put that in the story? Do you put do you bring that on stage somehow? Be like, yes, you know. Um, uh, we meant to do that, and we're telling you we yeah. meant to do that because did you agree with Pippin at any point during this? Yeah, right? Or like right, whatever, right. however that surfaces itself narratively. Um, and like, how does that change the story? Mm-hmm. Anyway, just a fleeting thought I had. Yeah. While we're on the topic of individual characters, can I talk about Bertha for a second? Please do. So the first Bertha was Irene Ryan. Outside of this show, are you aware of Irene Ryan? I think so, but I don't know why. You know that yes. way? Famously, Irene Ryan was Granny on the Beverly Hillbillies, um, which is a... Uh, is that why it's Granny in the song? She that That's why they cast her and they were going to cut that word out of it when she got cast and decided to keep it in. Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, uh, not famously, the collegiate... Uh, theatrical awards, at least in Illinois, where I went to college, were called the Irene Ryans, um, which is fascinating. The uh, apocryphal untrue story is that Irene Ryan, one night at Pippin, finished singing uh, Just No Time at All, a song about seize the day while you can, I believe if I refuse to go old, I can stay young till I die, walked off stage and had a heart attack and died. Um, yes, that is not explicitly not true. true, but it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Um, she had a stroke while in this role and then passed away a couple days later or a couple weeks later. Um, yeah. And I think it seems like doctor said that it was because she's from LA and she couldn't really handle the cold mm, of New York. Fascinating. And that, you know, made a toll on her body that added this extra stress that, you know, obviously as well as performing eight times a week. Yes. Um, also did. So, but yeah. I think like Bertha is a show stopping role. And, and if you have intent on seeing, on traveling back in time online in a slime tutorial and watching the revival and haven't yet, you should skip this next segment just because <coughs> um, I want to talk about yeah, okay. Andrea Martin. Um, in the revival, very circus theme, Andrea Martin, like many, you know, well-known actors do, walks out and immediately gets thunderous applause from the, the audience. Yeah. But it all has this circus theme. And I was watching uh, this with my boyfriend. Um, and the whole shtick is like, she's in this old dress that then she rips off for, to, for this fabulous circus outfit and then sits on a trapeze with a very muscular man and they fly up in the air and he's got like his arm around her. And my boyfriend said, oh, do you think he's there to make sure she doesn't fall? And I said, oh, I'm positive. Absolutely. He is there to hold her because this is going to look really impressive, her just sitting on this trapeze, but really he's doing all the work of holding her. And mere seconds later, 
she does some of the most terrifyingly fantastic trapeze poses like dangling from her arms and her feet and her hips upside down while still singing it like this number is built to be a showstopper and i have never seen a showstopper like that yeah it is brilliant it is so yeah. good it was so impressive I think it's like, because like the, the whole thing about that number is, is like, well, what can we make the old lady do? Right. Right. Yeah. And I don't think in anyone's conceivable dreams they ever thought, let's put her on a trapeze. And, and, you know I mean? and they <laughs> like, do such a good job of like setting you up. Like, and she knows, right? She walks down, she's a little slow. And like the funny absolutely. thing is she's like bouncing on the ball. And you're like, oh, the shtick's going to be that it's a sing along and I'll walk around stage a little bit. Oh, uh-huh. what's happening now? Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's really it's really. They got good. me. I mean, Andrew Andrew Martin is just oh, fantastic. Have you watched d- some guy. difficult? Have you watched difficult people? No, I've not. Watched you that. would like difficult people. <laughs> I watched everything of hers to do with musical ah, theater. You would. She's. Uh, I think she's Billy Eichner's mom in Difficult People, or the other one. Oh, okay. That's a fun pair. That's a manic pairing. I, I think that's it. Unless she's someone's mom. Um, it's been a minute, but. Uh-huh. You would you would like it. It's got like I don't think a lot of people would like this show. <laughs> right, okay. Oh god. And it's got Lemon Miranda's in it briefly as a cameo as himself. Okay, There's a bunch of yeah. It's Well, they're really good pals. Really? Yeah. They're really, really good right. pals. Um Yeah. Anyway. She's also very good pals with Seth Rudetsky. Uh, That's a really good obsessed, actually. I'll probably link that. Yeah, I believe that. Those are really good side by side. She's she's making a dating profile for herself. <laughs> it's great. Oh, that's fantastic. Funny. Some women. Um, um. Anyway, those were the the actory things I wanted to talk about, which is rare. I usually don't want yes. to. So. I know you never talk about. Yeah. That's great. Tony. I've been I've been Loved sitting it. with Pippin for a while. That's true. Sitting with Pippin. That, that's my spinoff podcast. It's a children's show. Sitting with Pippin. <laughs> I like the idea. I've got to be. Where my spirit can run free. Gotta find my corner of the sky. Jimmy, that was Pippin. It was, and something else as well. We, uh, uh, there, I should write a book of lines that only Tommy finds funny, or that Tommy finds too funny. Yeah, that's at least a list. Right, the one in this show that gets me every time is when uh, Charlemagne undies. Like Pippin <laughs> pulls the knife out of his back. The first production I saw of this. Side note. Um, Charlemagne died in the middle of the stage at the end of Act One. The curtain dropped, and then mm-hmm. I haven't seen it staged like this ever again. Um, although maybe they did do it in the original, but the curtain came back up and Charlemagne was still just dead in the middle of the stage, 
and that whole first bit where like the peasants are like, I need money for this, I need money for that. They're like yeah, stepping yeah, yeah. over his he's dead body. Just he's just right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it drives me. I think it's, it's hilarious. Great. My favorite line. Yeah. Pippin pulls pulls a knife out. Knife out. Charlemagne gets back up, and Pippin's like, "Sorry, father." And Charlemagne yes, "That's all right, Pippin. Don't let it happen again." <laughs> it's, great. it's so. Uh, no one. Such a Tommy. No one else finds this shit funny. I'm the only one. It's funny. That's it's funny. It's so line. funny. It's a funny Ugh. line. Brilliant. Do you know what else has funny lines? Our next show. Yes. Does it? Do you want to? Is there some? There's, <laughs> there's some comedy embedded within it, as any musical comedy That's true. would have. Um, it could be anything, but let me give you a clue to guide you towards what it could be. I'm excited. <laughs> Our next show, Tommy, autobiographical in nature, was written by the author whilst they were recovering from the events contained within the show. What show? Hamilton. Um, if you want to get it, unpack that one for a second. If you want to get in touch with us, our show I Twitter and Instagram true. is at Jim and Tomic, or you can drop us an email on our website, jimandtomic.com. Yes, indeed Um, And over there you will find lots of exciting things, uh, including our Patreon. Uh, we also have merch available. Um, and also you can hop on the Discord train and join all of the fun chats that we have there. We've been popping off at the moment, talking all about the In the Heights movie. Um, and also just talking about all of the episodes that we have done. We would love to see you there. Um, there will be a link and I was going to say in the description box below, I'm still not on YouTube. Don't I really <laughs> think I'm on YouTube this time? Uh, there will be a link in the show notes. Um, invites do run out very quickly, but don't worry. We will always provide you with one. And if you do head over to the website and check out our Patreon, you can uh, watch our last call, our video podcast. Uh, it's all different material. It's what we talk about before we uh, record the show. And you'll get to see... Give me a bit anything. you get to see... Uh, Jimmy's mustache. Oh, <laughs> don't get excited. Um, but hey, to be honest, it would just really, really help us out if you could tell your friends all about the show. Um, word of mouth is is how we get out there, T. It is. It's how we do it. But for now, hey, Jimmy, cheers. Cheers. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. Boop, boop. Have I done that before? I always feel like I need to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do boop, boop. That was the last call thing. Boop, boop. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, stop recording. oh, don't stop recording. I had a th- uh, thought earlier that we should do a quick trigger warning. Yes. Do you think there's a lot of yeah we do we, yeah. we do kind of go into yeah. it don't we yeah. yeah I can do I could just do it right now and jump in if you want or not yeah you're you're very cool. good at it so I'll just jump in um 